0: This morning, uh, as I was getting ready to come, I asked my wife if he, she thought it would be okay for me to wear my Christmas tie, and she said, well, I guess so, and then I got here and saw Eric, and, <laughs> and I assumed it was totally fine that I wore my Christmas tie. In fact, uh, I took a picture of Eric just so I can take home to show Joy that I think I was in good company in, in, in doing that, so... Uh, it is good to be with you. Uh, she's back at Grace Church. Uh, she kind of said, "I kind of like to be at uh, our home church on Christmas Sunday," and I said, "I think that's all right." Um, but it's uh, just good to, to celebrate with with you all here today. Uh, I'll be looking forward to coming back next week, as was announced. And I always say, "Lord willing, Lord willing." Uh, that's the the plan. James uh, tells us that. Uh, if we say we're going to do such-and-such and so-and-so such in and so and such-and-such a place at so-and-so of time, you always need to say if God wills. And so, Lord willing, I'll be back here next next Sunday. Well, you've uh, probably heard the saying, and maybe you've heard the song, Wise Men Still Seek Him. That's uh, a, a song that uh, this has been made popular. People say, Wise Men Still Seek Him. Uh, but, but how often do you hear third shift workers still seek him, (laughs) or peasants still seek him. Uh, I don't believe there's a song that says uh, elderly widows still seek him. Uh, But they do, you know, third shift workers and uh, peasants and poor people, uh, elderly widows and widowers, and just mentioned how this can be a very lonely time of the year for folks like that, Uh, they, they seek Christ as well. Um, in fact, it's the little people in the Christmas story who sought Christ. And so to, today we want to talk about a big God um, for little people. Because uh, the Lord came for all, whosoever believes on him, John three sixteen, and that includes the little people as well as the big people. But the Christmas story is filled with little people. So that's kind of what I'd like to focus on today and then uh, maybe encourage all of us little people here because we all are, you know. um, I don't think any of us here are famous in the world's sight, but we are in God's sight. But uh, we're all little people, so hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. Uh, A big God came as a little person for all of us little old people. You see, God loves to choose insignificant people to uh, do significant things, and uh, for His purposes, Uh, little people are on the big stage of God's plan and the way He works things out throughout history. Uh, They're they're uh, uh, maybe uh, they're they're not they're they're just uh, small people, uh, not big in stature, but uh, big in standing. Uh, Moses uh, was uh, really a small person many, many years. He was a slave uh, before he got onto the big stage of being the leader of his people. Uh, Ruth, uh, my, by the way, if I haven't told you before, Ruth and Esther are my favorite books in the Bible. I'm the only two written uh, whose names uh, appear as a title of the book, Esther and Ruth. But Ruth was, was a, a young immigrant girl who... Uh, before she became uh, the great grandmother of King David. Now that's a big stage for uh, a, a little person. Of course, David was a shepherd boy um, before he entered the big stage of being the, the greatest king of uh, Israel. First uh, Corinthians 1, 27 and 29 say, instead God shows things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God takes the the, the common sense of the world and he just stands us on its head. Um, The common sense of the world says it's the important people, the wise people, the rich people, the influential, and God just stands that on its head and says, I've chosen the the foolish things. Um, I've chosen the the unknown things, the, the insignificant people to show the world what is important. And we see this illustrated in in Luke 1 leading up to the Christmas story in Luke 2, and we're going to be in Luke 2 today, but if we would just go to Luke 1 for a moment, uh, not going to read through that that chapter, but just maybe point out some sections to it uh, that we're aware of, Um, we we see that uh, Luke 1 begins with the uh, the birth of John the Baptist uh, being told. He, he told uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, when he was on his priestly uh, shift, so to speak, his priestly duty, that his wife, Elizabeth, was going to have a baby. And the text says uh, Zechariah was, was an old man. In fact, Zechariah admitted, he said, I'm an old man. And uh, he said, what are you telling me here? He, and he said, uh, he said, I'm an old man. My wife is also well along in years. That was a nice way of saying about his wife, that she was an old lady, too. She was well along in years. Um, but all of a sudden, he was told that they were going to have a son. And uh, we won't go into all of that story because I don't have time to preach that story. But it's a fascinating story. He came out, he came out uh, uh, mute. He, he couldn't speak. Um, He questioned God, Um, but then right after that passage in in Luke 1 about an old lady well beyond her childbearing years having a baby, all of a sudden an angel comes and tells a very young lady, a teenage girl who was a virgin, that she was going to have a baby, and uh, her name was Mary. And and then Mary finds out that her cousin, or at least her relative Elizabeth, was going to have a baby, so the two gals get together, an old woman who was past childbearing age, a young woman who was a virgin, and they they come and they talk about uh, this marvelous thing that is happening to them. Of course, then later on, uh, we have Mary's uh, marvelous song, it's called the Song of the the Magnificat, uh, where she she sings uh, about, um, this wonderful thing that is going to take place, and uh, then we have the birth of John the Baptist, and uh, then we have Zachariah prophesying the birth of Jesus Christ, and uh, then we come to Luke chapter two. So uh, that's all the lead up to the story that we have in the birth of Jesus, that is probably going to be read in your homes uh, in the next few days, or even today, as it's going to be read in my home as my uh, children and grandchildren come and are are are. Practices that Grandpa always reads the Christmas story, and the little granddaughters are getting older. Finally, they're able to sit a little more still while I do that. So, as we come to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two is all about little people. Uh, but before we focus on the, the little people of Christmas, notice. Uh, th- let me just read verses one through seven, and then we're going to notice how, and, and maybe you can le- hear it as I'm reading it. You notice the pro- the downward progression of status by the people who appear in these first seven verses. At at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth or in swaddling clothes, as a a lot of times we we remember from uh, other translations, and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. There's a downward progression from greatness to littleness. Uh, to get us to this Christmas story. You have, first of all, Caesar Augustus, the greatest in all of the Roman Empire. Augustus means divine and majestic, um, the supreme, powerful ruler of his day. Prior to Augustus' reign, as we see here, his name Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire had been in great turmoil for for over 20 years, and uh, beginning with the rise and the fall of, of Julius Caesar, And it was at the end of that period that Caesar Augustus established peace, what we know as Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And so he was a great man, he was was the the emperor, and Rome prospered with with, uh, wealth and peace. Then a little step down below Caesar Augustus, maybe a great step down, was the governor of Syria, Quirinius. He wasn't as great as Caesar Augustus. He was a man of prestige and power, Uh, but much less than that of Augustus, but uh, much more than the next person that we read about who was Joseph. He was way down the ladder of of status here. A a laborer, not an aristocrat like Quirinius and like uh, Augustus, but but a laborer from the little town of Nazareth. You know, we sing, O little town of Bethlehem. There was an O littler town than Bethlehem and that was Nazareth, that's where Joseph was from. And then we come down to another rung on the the status scale and we read about Mary, uh, a a female, farther down the scale uh, according to the values of the day. Uh, Women were way below the scale of men and she was a young woman and and she had no status at all. And, and, And she was from Nazareth no less as well. And then the last person mentioned in these seven verses, even though he's not mentioned by name, he said that she was uh, um, about to give birth, and his name, of course, we know was Jesus, but a, a baby was about as low on the status scale as you could get in, in those days. Uh, an infant at the very end of the, of, of the uh, scale, the, the poorest of the poor, as, as far from the emperor, Caesar, Augustus, as you could get, just a helpless little baby who, uh, couldn't uh, Though Caesar Augustus claimed to be divine, this little baby was divine, but in terms of how the world looked at him, he was way down at the bottom, and yet he was infinitely above Caesar Augustus, uh, as anyone possibly could, could be in both majesty and dignity and divinity. Now big king Caesar, the Roman king, And another big king that wasn't mentioned here, the king king of the Jews, uh, the the political king of the Jews, King Herod, were actually in subjection to the little king who was a baby. They just didn't know it. And and another way to look at this was that the big kings were actually little kings in, in God's sight. And the little king, Jesus, was actually the big king. And so again, there's the reversal of just taking things and standing them on their heads. Uh, the important people were very the unimportant people and uh, the big kings uh, were actually little kings and little King Jesus was a big king. Uh, so two observations before going on just from, from these first seven verses. No one should judge by appearances, uh, whether it was then or whether it's now. We should not judge by appearances, especially the appearances that oppress, impress the world greatly. Things that impress the world and impress people may be not that impressive at all. And God can choose to hide the greatest gifts in the poorest of packages. As I said, we're getting together with our family today and some of the gifts for the grandchildren are are rather, they're they're in big boxes, but but I know that some of the most valuable gifts, the, the ones that cost the most, are gonna be in the little boxes but guess what the kids are going to be impressed with? Right now, they're gonna be impressed with the big boxes. And there's some nice presents in the big boxes, but not nearly as, as, as worth as much as the ones in the little boxes. God can choose to hide the greatest gifts in the poorest of packages, and the big king was hidden in the package of a little king, a little baby, way down at the bottom of the scale. And one other observation, it's impossible for us to judge the end of anything by its beginning impossible for us to judge the end of anything by its beginning. You would think that a little baby born to poor parents from a backwoods town in a backwoods town uh, would not be uh, worth much and would not amount to much. Let me just remind you, read the book of Revelation and you'll find out the end of that. That uh, it's impossible for us to judge the end of anything by its beginning because little King Jesus turned into big King Jesus, the one who was told worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and glory and honor and and wealth. And uh, so uh, we come now to the rest of the story in Luke 2 about the little people of this story. And uh, it's very familiar to you. I won't read every verse of the story, but let me just point out now uh, the little people that were involved in in, uh, the story that a big God was putting together. First of all, you have this young peasant couple that was mentioned in the first seven verses, uh, Joseph and Mary. He chose a common young man and a common young woman from a tiny town on the outskirts of nowhere uh, to uh, have a, a, a very key role, obviously, in this Christmas story, in the Christmas event for a very uncommon purpose and task. Um, Both turned doubt into belief. Both Joseph and Mary doubted what what was going on. Uh, Mary doubted the angel's announcement at first. Joseph doubted that Mary was telling the truth, but they both turned their doubt into belief and to submission uh, to God's will for them. Uh, Mary's words of submission are some of the most powerful in all of scripture. We go back and uh, if we would read this account between the angel and Mary, Uh, She said at the end of all that, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Or another translation says, do unto me according to your word. Um, She submitted herself to to God's will. No bigger words were ever spoken by such a little person. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Um, That's a good thing to remember when uh, you need some encouragement and uh, maybe when you need to come to submission to the the Lord's will, to say, I am your servant, may everything you have said of me come true, goes to the Lord's prayer, your will in heaven done on earth through me. Now, Joseph trained Jesus to be a man of wooden nails. Interesting, uh, 33 years after his birth, um, wooden nails would be used at his crucifixion. He came from a, a, a carpenter's family and uh, he knew all about wood and nails. Uh, but Joseph was a very humble man from humble beginnings and he never appears in the Bible again after Jesus was age 12, when they had that event at the temple where Jesus was was uh, teaching the Pharisees. Joseph pass off, passes off the scene, we never hear about him again. Uh, Mary, we hear little about, she shows up at the crucifixion and. And there are other times when he's visiting home and the people said, you know, what good <laughs> is, is this man? And, uh, you know, Mary, your son's crazy, but, but Joseph, we never hear about. Uh, little people uh, in the story. There were some other little people in the Christmas story, and you know them. They're the third shift workers. They're the shepherds um, uh, just uh, tending their flocks by night on the hillsides of Bethlehem. Uh, Perhaps some of the sheep that they were raising would be some of the sheep that would be used in the sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. We don't know that for sure, but these were shepherds. Um, Psalm 23 and John 10 talk about good shepherds. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd of the sheep. Ezekiel 34 talks about bad shepherds. Um, Shepherds who uh, abuse their flocks spiritually. Uh, but the rabbis prohibited people from buying uh, sheep or wool from the shepherds because you may have ended up buying hot sheep or hot wool because a lot of shepherds were sheep rustlers and uh, so they weren't very high on the societal scale in in their day. Shepherds in general had such a bad reputation that they weren't allowed to be witnesses in a court of law um, because their word couldn't be trusted and yet God entrusted the good news of the birth of Christ to these witnesses. Even though they could not give witness in the court of law because their word couldn't be trusted, God trusted them with the birth announcement. And he trusted them with the going and finding the child. Had the angels told the shepherds that Christ was to be found in the nursery of a king's palace? or in the guest room of a very wealthy family, uh, the shepherds wouldn't have dared to show up there. They wouldn't have been accepted. They wouldn't have been allowed in to that setting because of their reputation. But a manger, the the angel said, you will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They said, we know mangers. (laughs) We know where the mangers are. Um, and they were uh, fine with going to find a a baby in a manger. They knew that it wouldn't be unusual for shepherds to show up where there was a manger. They were new men, though, who went back to their old jobs. Um, Let's just go into Luke chapter two a second now to to just look at what happened to the shepherds. When they heard this announcement, And uh, go into verse 11, suddenly the angel was joined by a host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I'm in verse 16 now. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Shepherds weren't to be trusted. Their word wasn't to be trusted. They came back and said, we have seen the king of the Jews. And all of a sudden, everyone who heard it, it didn't say they disbelieved them, they were astonished at what they had said. Uh, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and taught about, uh, thought about them often. The shepherds, verse 20, went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just that the angel had told them. Uh, same men going back to a job, except these same men going back to a job that they had always done were changed men as well because they had seen the Lamb of God. Shepherds know about lambs. And you say, well, that's just kind of a little, cute little thing. He's the Lamb of God. Shepherd saw him. What did John say when Jesus began his public ministry? Behold the Lamb of God. That's what he called Jesus. What does Revelation say? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, who was sacrificed. It isn't It, 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 it isn't a stretch of the imagination to say, Mary had a little lamb. His life was white as snow. And they went to see that that little lamb. Very, very little people were shepherds, and yet God entrusted them with this big message. Well, we come to the uh, toward the, the end of Luke 2, or the middle of Luke 2, and, and we find another little person involved in, in, in this Christmas story. Go down to verse 25. After eight days, um, as uh, the custom was, and as the, the law required, um, it was time for the purification offering, and uh, so anyhow, Mary and Joseph took the boy to the temple, and um, this was uh, when the baby was circumcised, eight days later, the baby was circumcised, and then the time for the purification came, and they went to the temple, and in verse 25, it says, at that time, when they went to the temple, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you promised i have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people he is a light to reveal god to the nations he is the glory of your people israel and jesus parents were amazed at what was being said about him and then simeon blessed them and he said to mary the baby's mother this child is destined to cause many in israel to fall and many others to rise he has been sent as a sign from god but many will oppose him and as a result the deepest thoughts of Of many hearts will be revealed a sword will pierce your soul he said to Mary we don't know where Simeon came from Uh, we don't know anything about his background we don't know if he was married or if he had any children any family but what we do know about him from this uh, text is that uh, he was very significant to God. He he had faith and he had character. He was a righteous and devout man, which speak of his walk with God and his integrity among men. He was a man of hope because he looked for the deliverance of Israel. He was looking for Messiah. And and finally, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was Spirit taught, Spirit led, and the Holy Spirit led Simeon to the temple that day. He was longing for the, the coming of Messiah. Um, and he was told he wasn't going to die till he saw him uh, but he didn't know when that was going to be he didn't know how long he was going to have to live before that happened Um, and so the the Holy Spirit led him to the temple that day and revealed to him that uh, this uh, six week old child was Messiah and he said now I can die satisfied now I can depart in peace if you have taken Jesus by faith as your savior uh, and put your hope in him, you can die in peace. You can die in peace. Now, you may, not, you may die in pain. Uh, that's part of the, the, the uh, consequences of sin, but you will die in peace, in spiritual peace, as Simeon said he could. Well, after this, we read in verse 36 about a, a gal by the name of Anna. She was a prophetess. Uh, let me just read a few verses here. Anna, a prophet who uh, was also there in the temple, she was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. This, uh, the first couple of chapters of Luke talk about old people and young people. <laughs> I mean, so don't think that the Christmas story doesn't include young people or doesn't include old people. Um, and, and so it said she was very old. You know, the scriptures are kind of just uh, right out there, aren't they? Her husband died when they had been married for only seven years, and then she lived as a widow uh, to the age of 84, and there's some translation issues here. Uh, some some uh, translated is that she was a widow for 84 years. But nevertheless, she was very old, and, and she had lived without a husband for many, many years. But she was a truly remarkable woman. By the way, her name, Anna, means favor or grace, just like the Old Testament, Hannah. Uh, the name old Hannah in the Old Testament means favor or grace. She had known sorrow uh, when as a young wife, as we read here, um, God withdrew from her to the earthly love that uh, she rejoiced in, but she had not buried her hope in the grave. Uh, in the place of what God took, he gave Anna more of himself, and she became devoted to him for all of those years. Her seat at the temple was never empty. She wasn't an occasional attender um, in the temple, uh, but uh, a constant devout worshiper. And she, like the shepherds, uh, told everyone about the Christ child. Look at at verse 38. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So we have Simeon and we have Anna. And we have the shepherds telling everybody, everyone about what they had seen and observed. Herbert Lockyer, in his book, All the Women of the Bible, he has a whole series of all the men in the Bible, all the women in the Bible. He has a book called All the Unnamed People in the Bible. Um, but in his in book, All the Women of the Bible, he writes this of Anna, how encouraging it is to meet those who through a long life have remained true to the Lord and whose gray hairs are honorable because of a life lived in the divine will and who when they pass away are ready for glory. That was Anna, that was Simeon. Mary and Joseph were were the vehicles, the vessels to bring Messiah um, to these people and to all of us to the rest of the world. A big God for little people Affluence doesn't determine significance. Uh, Not a single one of these insignificant, significant characters in the Christmas story were affluent. Influence uh, doesn't determine significance. Not a single one of these insignificant, significant people in the Christmas story uh, were influential. Not a one of them. God is searching for little people in all kinds of little places, to show his glory through them started with uh, little people in a little town called nazareth remember what was said about nazareth can anything good come out of nazareth can anything good come out of there well the answer is absolutely not only two young people who were submitted to the will of god but jesus christ messiah the savior of the world uh, um, we say he was born in Bethlehem, but he was conceived of the Spirit um, in, uh, in Mary in Nazareth. Yes, many good things come from many small places, uh, from many small people. God is always searching for little people and in those places right where they are, in the shop, in the fields, in the classroom, third shift, uh, the ordinariness of life. So when we say wise men still seek him, third shift people still seek him, et cetera, et cetera, the ultimate is God still seeks them. God is the seeker, the ultimate seeker. He is seeking those in the the fields, on third shift, in the classrooms, in the shop. Um, He is seeking for little people to declare his glory. So what about you? Can people see a big God in little old you? Do they? Do they see a big God in, in little old you? Do you get excited about our Lord and what God has done in Christ and, and what he wants to do in you? Or, or has your faith just become old hat? Um, those shepherds on the hillside that night went back telling everybody what they had seen. I don't think they probably ever forgot that. I don't think that that ever was old hat for them, the message that they could give the people. Um, Has the message that you've received that was born in you gotten old hat? Because Jesus said you must be born again. Has has what has been born in you become old hat or is, is it still a message you want to deliver to people? Are you always looking for him? Uh, we should be waiting for his coming Uh, again this is Advent, talks about his first coming, we should be looking for the second Advent, the hoping for that, seeking it like Simeon was seeking his first coming um, and awaiting that with anticipation and hope you see sometimes big influential people look down on little people and and maybe you felt this way if you're little people big influential people look down on little people and they say, I don't need you. I don't need you. And sometimes little people like us look up at big influential people and and say, I'm not needed. Both of those are wrong. Both of those are wrong. God delights in using little people for his glory and he delights in using big people for his glory. Sometimes big people say, I understand that. But sometimes us little people don't understand that. He is wanting to use us for his glory. And, and by the way, Paul talks about that in Corinthians when he's talking to, uh, about the, the church and about gifts and uh, when he was talking about how the, the, the church has put together many parts of the body. And he says one part of the body can't say to the other part, I don't need you. And another part of the body can't say to another part of the body, I'm not needed. Um, both of those are incorrect. Um, and we also need to remember that whether it's in the church or whether we're trying to measure ourselves to people in the world who are influential and, and who are affluent, uh, maybe more than we are, we, we tend to think sometimes, "Oh, well, we're not needed. They can get the work done. They, they, they can get the, the uh, testimony of Christ out there a lot better than I can. God needs little old you. He needs little old me. Um, because Christ is born in us today, and uh, we are to carry that message. Our Heavenly Father, and the Christmas story is such a familiar story to uh, probably all of us here today, and uh, we are going to hear it, we're going to read it, and Lord, as we do so, obviously... Sometimes we can get all hung up on the characters of the story. We can get all hung up on what animals were there and what weren't and what did they smell like and, and uh, who was there in the, in the Christmas night story and who wasn't. And, and, Lord, I pray that, first of all, we will know that Jesus was there. Um, that's the whole point. And that the little king, uh, Jesus, in terms of how the world looked at him, Uh, was really big king, Jesus, lying in a manger. And uh, we pray that you will help us to um, recognize that as he is born in us today, that even though we may be small in stature or small in standing in society, that uh, we need to be the ones who proclaim the good news um, along with uh, all of the others who you have called to yourself. Thank you again for this season, uh, for this, uh, this time of year where many are focused on Christmas who normally wouldn't be. Lord, help us to be able to clearly uh, tell the message of Christ and Christmas and what it means. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And by the way, the song chosen now, Worthy, is just perfect for what we're talking about. He is worthy.